Being prepared is all about having the right tools. The OnX off-road map and navigation app is the best fully functional GPS when you're out of service. Offline maps allow you to access all interactive land and trail data and custom map markups when you're out of service. Your phone's internal GPS gives you full navigation capabilities offline, so you'll always know where you are and how to get home safely. Go to onxmaps.com and use code MEATEATER to get 20% off your membership today. There's nothing like snook hook sets at dawn or catching a tarpon in the moonlight. Find your next fishing trip made easy on fishingbooker.com and experience the magic of the Sunshine State or any other destination on your fishing bucket list. Book a blue water adventure in search of sailfish or go snapper fishing with the kids. With over 6,000 captains and trips to choose from, planning your next one just got a whole lot easier. Download the Fishing Booker app on the Google Play or App Store or visit them online at fishingbooker.com to book your trip today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't let streaks or smearing on your windshield compromise your visibility. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and see our selection. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades while you wait. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. This is the Meat Eater Podcast coming at you shirtless, severely bug-bitten, and in my case, underwearless. We hunt the Meat Eater Podcast. You can't predict anything. Presented by OnX Hunt, creators of the most comprehensive digital mapping system for hunters. Download the Hunt app from the iTunes or Google Play Store. Know where you stand with OnX. All right, everybody. Uh... First thing, I was going to start out talking about how disappointed I am at Chester's job of uh, the, the the how bad of a job he did at hanging up some things he was supposed to hang up in the studio here. It's horrible. He he doesn't hang them up like I do. No, like they're there's they go together, but they're cockeyed, and then and then he allowed. I don't even. Someone did a poor job of framing those. But what too. I'm going to talk about instead. Yeah, I mean the fray, it's a piss poor frame job, but it didn't improve any with the hanging. Got good thing you weren't in Mexico with us because uh the someone else followed Chester's grocery list that he wrote up for us, and you wouldn't believe what wasn't this, on it. No <laughs> well, more so what was. We had literally stacks, towers of containers of donuts. <laughs> <laughs> There's never been a donut on a meteor shoot ever. <laughs> no, I don't love donuts, man. Um, yeah. What else was there, Seth, that was really out of place? Oh, soda pop. Multiple cases of sodas. I'm like, Coke. Yeah, and I don't Sprites like soda and, pop. Yeah. I now and then in Mexico will sometimes get to thinking I might like a soda water. But then I drink half of it and I just feel like going and brushing my teeth. Yeah. Well, when you're down there, you get uh, caught up in because it's like the special Mexican soda that's you. They were no, they yeah, use cane it's got sugar, and, sugar. Yeah, yeah. You do get caught up in that. Yeah. 
Instead, what I'm going to talk about, uh, part two. So, like, eh, it doesn't really matter to you, folks. A bo- the more episode. We got more episodes up on Netflix starting uh, February seventeen. February seventeen. Four days after I turn a whopping forty-seven. Can you believe it? I can. Been alive that long. It's many um, years. Yeah, and you're still tearing up the mountains. Yeah, dude. I'm like an inspiration for old people. Yeah, you're you're doing good. I think. Uh, <laughs> Five new episodes up on Netflix starting February 17th. And good ones, man. Ain't no throwaway episodes. Good ones coming up. Um, I'm pointing this out because I, I like this person's name. Sanja. Sa- how do you, if your name is Sanja, what is your name? Sanja? Sonia. Sonia? Yeah, I would pronounce that Sonia. Oh. I'll still do it anyway. I was mostly interested in her name. Oh, you know what? There's this artist. Check this out. There's this artist. She's on you you wouldn't freaking believe here. You want to talk about someone who's good at making art. Well, my favorite, you know, my favorite artist is Seth's girlfriend. So don't don't be thinking that that's not the case. But this Seth Plugger. What's her Instagram? Yeah, because I don't listen, I'm gonna talk about another artist, but this isn't this is meant all a rising tide, Seth. <laughs> a rising tide lifts all boats. Yeah. You, figure Absolutely. you see what I'm saying? It's like I'm, it's, I'm being metaphorical. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Now, this, okay, plug her. K underscore Ray Johns. Yeah, she's emerging as, um, emerging as the greatest uh, wildlife artist of all time. Meanwhile, hot on her heels. <laughs> <laughs> There's an artist her, on her her Instagram is Jamie Wild Art. Jamie Wild Art. She does these like things with dogs that look like it's like you can't even tell. I'm not the kind of guy that measures art as being that it looks a lot like a photo, but like I don't, you know, but it's so weird. Like, look at this. That shit, that's a pencil drawing. It's like it's kind of like only when you leave it like unfinished do you realize what you're looking at. Anyways, she's offering to make me an art piece. And I've been telling her I want an art piece of Tracker. wolves killing a buffalo but i don't want i want it to be like actually with its guts hanging out Ooh. like mm, that's like cool. mortally wounded but still on its feet with one of them pulling at its intestines and stuff and i said i don't want to squash your creativity but that's what i'm picturing when i close my eyes and she's gonna try to work it up nice that'd be sweet uh how'd i get on that oh sonia because Corinne made those duck feet earrings, which my little daughter wore around a little bit. And then our dog, you know, our dog ate one of those. <laughs> like I, my pair of earrings is now a earring. Does she? Does it's she like more in line for like a guy with one earring. <laughs> did, she, did she swallow the metal too? We can't I, I ho- figure I out. Not. She got it and we can't find the metal. And she, I don't know. I think an x-ray may be in order. No, because she's fine. Huh. She'll pass it. Okay. Yeah, she's I mean, fine. it was like she's weird stuff. She had a game bag once. Yeah, but the what, like you know, the wires all hooked and well, Tell hopefully me, she's. It, it hopefully was weeks. She's it's good. been weeks. <clears throat> Were those from your speckle belly feet? No, um, no. There, there were. I think they're. I couldn't. I separated my some of the speckle belly feet from the specks. And then there was a thing about not being able to transport that. 
So I left them there. But then oh, I, I have I also oh, have I yep, also yep, have yep, yep. frozen geese with the feet on, but I think if I defrost them and make earrings out of that, it's just not the same because it's like all wet and frozen and it's I don't know if it's gonna dry out the same way. It'll be the exact oh, yeah? same. Totally. Yeah? Okay. There's so very, then, not that much water in those things anyways. Okay. You're so golden. I'll make another pair. Sonia, Sanja, she makes coyote baculum earrings. Which are great, beautiful. But the weird part, the reason I bring it up is, um, so she makes like coyote pecker bone earrings, but she points out that her husband does not. She kind of like spells it like Trump, like it's all uppercase. <laughs> does not like these. Which is like, why? You can't even come up with one reason that her husband wouldn't like. Well, does it feel like, is he like jealous of the coyote? Like, I don't understand. Like, what is he like? Does he feel that it's like emblematic of him being emasculated? Like, I don't understand. Like, what's not to like about it? No, I just think that uh, the same people that probably just get a little squeamish when you're just talking about pecker bones might get a little squeamish and uncomfortable when their wife is has a pecker bone hanging off her ear. Yeah, I don't know. I'm always telling people they might need to get a new wife, but this gal might need to get a new husband. When we're uh, when we're coon hunting down in Arkansas, we should bring those pecker bones back for Corinne so she can make, make some big out. earrings, man. Yeah, I'll get my ears pierced if I had a set of those. Yeah. Oh man, that sweet. would be epic. I think Steve needs like a single piercing. And yeah, I'll be like dangling uh, pecker bone. Who's that dude that used to do sixty minutes? Had that earring. Ed Bradley. Yeah. Good job, Doug. I forgot about you up there. <laughs> That's Doug Duran, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> I'm just here for information. Yeah. Uh, Clay Newcomb is going to be making a video for the MeatEater.com on how to make a raccoon baculum. Well, so the raccoon point, makes it. You've, you've, you've <laughs> He's going to make a video about how to steal it from the raccoon, yes. maybe. How yeah. to clean it, maybe. Exactly. At that point, you're just like a drill bit away from having earrings, so Check that video out <laughs> on our website. I want to get into Clay's business and just make videos about stuff that's interesting to me. Um, you kind of do. Yeah, but just like quick return, you know, quick turn. Oh, we never talked about this last time, but we teed it up. Because I was talking about how, remember how like when, uh, who was it? John? No. Oh, that like when Elvis died, his colon was supposedly packed full of cheeseburgers. Mm-hmm. And John Wayne yeah, was, and John was Wayne. in that group too. Um. We covered on this thing, we, we co- few, quite a few episodes ago, we covered about this thousand-year-old, like a mummified uh, a mummified carcass that was a thousand years old from a man, I can't remember where, in the desert southwest. And he had had evidence of having, um, uh, you know, uh, a disorder that caused him to have this enlarged uh, colon. And how it had 2.5, see what this guy, it had 2.5 pounds of what, what this guy doesn't realize. This guy's pointing out that that's not that bad. 2.5 pounds of feces in a colon is not bad. But this is a mummified colon, right? It's like, it's just different. So it's not with the, I don't know what the hell it would have weighed with all the moisture in it. Either way, what was interesting about this individual is they were doing some work on this and they realized that. He'd probably died from this disorder he had. But in the final days or weeks of his life, he had been eating uh, grasshoppers with the legs and head removed, I believe. So like the softer 
What's that part of a bug? The abdomen or the thorax off a grasshopper? Like the soft part. I believe that's I the abdomen. Ab- yeah, yeah, I think. Thorax is the upper part. I'm developing that problem with Spencer that I used to have with Rick. Oh, Which you, is, you trust them. In, like, I feel that they'll know something. Yeah. But they don't. <laughs> There's just a lot on the line here if I'm wrong. I, I wanted to say ab, but I was waiting for but I, I, I don't think Spencer Yanni. will go the lengths of, like, to hide that he doesn't you know. this bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> is that a Rick move? Oh, dude. He just, like... Yeah, he starts just digging a hole. If he doesn't know, he like he's good at he's good at making you feel like that he knows. In fact, he might and, not know. Uh this guy bad mouth in this two point five pound colon was telling us that at the Philadelphia Mutter Museum, I don't know what that is. I trust that it's real. They have on display a colon of a man who was born in the eighteen hundreds who at the time of death had a colon that was 40 pounds. 40-pound colon. That sounds painful. That killed him. That would be a fourth. No, how much do I weigh? I can't do the math quick enough. That'd be like a lot. That'd be a huge colon for me. (laughs) That's terrible. You wouldn't believe it if the picture wasn't there. Like. No, but it looks like it dried out because there's nothing for scale. Right. They should have put a burger next to it. <laughs> if they had a cheeseburger next to it. Because right now, I, can, I feel like I could be looking at a coyote or, scat. <clears throat> yeah, or maybe like a like a one pound or even two pound ribeye next to it. Yeah. You, well, that, a burger is like, but scale. a burger is more kind of like a burger. Is, it's like a known size. Yeah, but you could put a ribeye by it. Yeah, it's, it's looking like a dried out night crawler. I think it looks like a coyote scat. But yeah, yeah, oh yeah, like a crawler that got, you know, sometimes they'll get themselves caught up. After like, a rainstorm, they come out and then it dries up. Well, no, yeah, but it, you're right. Like, and you find them on your driveway or yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. That's but I'm, what I'm thinking, thinking too about how now and then one will get out of the bedding and get up around the lip of the worm container. Oh, yeah. And then he'll get in, in a tight spot, get all dried out. Um, Another piece of interesting feedback. Uh, a law enforcement officer wrote in. We were talking about stacking charges on people. So we were talking about that That in a recent episode, I was discussing how there's, like, for instance, there's a there's a prohibition. You know, states all have prohibitions on bartering and trading um, wildlife, meaning it's technically illegal for you to say to your buddy, like, hey, uh, I just caught a bunch of walleye. If you want to bring me by a backstrap off your buck, I'd, I'll hit you with the walleye fillet. It's like you're technically breaking the law. You're, you're like formally bartering. Now, were you to say to your buddy, I love you so much, um, here's some walleye fillets, and your buddy says, by God, I love you so much, here's a backstrap, everybody's cool. Okay, but it's like a formal bartering. And I was talking about how this guy in Wyoming – uh, an attorney in Wyoming who's done a lot of work for the Fish and Game Agency had said the only time we ever hit anybody with that and, and some other arcane, or not arcane, some other little-known laws is when we're really stacking a bunch of stuff on someone. Like, you got a real bad character, and you want to make sure that something sticks on them after plea bargaining and everything. You start just adding on all these things that you'd otherwise never go and apply to anybody. And this guy writes in, that he had this dude who became a, he had this meth head 
Um, he said a methamphetamine addict. He says what we f- refer to as a meth head. Who he even he even names the guy. Can we talk about this guy's name? Mm, I think yeah, it's better not. I don't to. Need to name him. I'll tell you what his initials are. <laughs> I just noticed <laughs> his initials are BS. <laughs> not making this up. <laughs> BS became a AC unit specialist. Became a specialist at stealing AC units, and one night stole out of an apartment building. Help me out with this. Help me out. With eight. This. Out of an apartment building, one night stole eight AC units. Mm-hmm. They were working the case. But and, you got to say what, what he was doing with go it. Go ahead and tell it. To make sense. Is, Help is, out, is, yeah. is, is that he was pulling the copper. Like the, mm. It was just the way that he figured out how to make quick money was to pull an AC unit, pull the copper from it, and then sell it You know, at... at uh, I guess some kind of a, it's like a salvage yard or recycling center, and then go buy his drugs, which causes thousands of dollars in damage, and he yields about fifty dollars in copper. <laughs> Each yeah. one yields fifty bucks in copper. That's, oh, is that, that much copper? That's in there? what the article said. Talk about not. I don't want to name these guys I went to high school with. I knew some guys in high school that hot wired a bulldozer. Went to a construction site, hot wired a bulldozer. Used the bulldozer. These guys, these dudes could take. I thought it was four, I think. These guys could take like a like a piece of heavy equipment apart. And as they take it apart, they would just throw all the bolts. They could take your truck like apart, throw all the bolts into a five-gallon bucket. I'm not talking about taking pictures of shit. Put all the bolts in a five-gallon bucket and then turn around and put that thing back together the way they found it. Mechanical geniuses. They hot-wired a bulldozer, stole a giant coil of coated copper cable, got a big rip and fire going, burned all the coating off. Like, at a point, you could just get a job. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, the amount of, like, work and risk and stuff involved? This guy, uh... How much did they make off of that, do you know? Yeah, I don't remember what they made off it. And that was, like, their end game. Was to sell this to copper. sell this copper. The copper is valuable, so they went through all this and then had to burn all the coating off and burned all the coating off in a fire and had like a big black blob of copper. Oh, they, they sounds like they're just the kind of guys that didn't like having a boss. They didn't, man. <laughs> it's, it sounds like there's a there's a dude that got. I was telling you about a dude that got caught poaching elk up by my hunting camp mm-hmm. in Pennsylvania. He shot that bullet scored scored four sixty. Whoa! I, that doesn't even make sense that a bull could score four sixty. Well, it did. No, I believe you. Um, you showed me the article. He was just doing it to cut the antlers off and sell them. It's like, why don't you just get a job? Yeah, because you don't get to hunt. You don't have a job shooting elk. When did this happen? But burning copper, burning coating. Like, if you put to me, like, hey man, I got a job for you in which you'll go shoot four sixty bulls, or you can go make a fire and burn <laughs> copper. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> But I, I think he's still sitting in prison for it. Oh, yeah. yeah. So this this uh, officer starts working this case, and he knows that when he gets this guy for stealing AC units, nothing's going to happen to him. Keep reading this article, Yanni, so you can help me out where I run into trouble. Yeah, what he, he winds up doing, tell everybody what he winds up doing, Yanni, what the guy's in jail for. Yeah, he researches the uh, EPA Clean Air Act. And uh, violations that he could get under it. And um, 
found out that, oh, let's see here. This is in Wichita, Kansas. Yeah. Federal, he's charging with federal EPA violations. Um, now he's housed in a really nice federal prison. Oh, sorry. I'm sorry. I, I missed the part for what, what the actual charge was, too. It was basically for releasing Freon into the air. Right. I'm looking at the article right now. Yep. Faces. He went to jail for this. Oh, shoot. BS faces. <laughs> Three counts of venting a class two substance in violation of federal law. Each count carries a potential sentence of five years. $250,000 in fine. And you get that. It's sort of like when they, uh, Cracked Al Capone for tax evasion rather than all the people that he had murdered and all the other things. Yeah. It's like the one thing they could get him on. Yeah, and OJ. OJ <laughs> ended up going to jail for stealing his own T-shirts. Like yeah. for stealing his own memorabilia. Not for killing his wife and a waiter with a knife. I think an interesting detail is that this guy, uh, this detective is from the gang and felony assault unit investigations. So how we ended up prosecuting this guy for a violation of the clean air act is, is pretty, uh, that's a guy who's doing overtime, you know, the article said this will have like long-term impact as well, because this is a common method among meth heads to like turn a dime. So they said, anytime anybody's doing this now, they're going to get hit with the EPA act. Oh, so it was a common thing. Stealing AC units. That's, I didn't know this. That's what it made it sound like. Yeah. Well, that, that was a whole storyline. If it, anyone's seen The Wire, anyone? No? On HBO? Mm-hmm. You sure it's not oh, the yeah. copper tubing? <laughs> well, <laughs> the, the, the drug addicts in The Wire steal a bunch of copper from construction sites and stuff to get drug money. I, I think it's a, yep. yeah. One of my favorite short story collections of all time is Dennis Johnson's Jesus Son. And in Jesus oh, Son, I love that book. yeah, its name comes from the Velvet Underground, you know, when I'm rushing on my run. And I feel just like Jesus' son, heroin. Um, in it, these two guys go and go into a house that's been repossessed by the bank and spend their whole day busting the walls out to get all the copper wiring out of the house. And at some point, one of the guys wonders to the other guy who owns the house, and the guy reveals that it's actually his house. And then that night, they have they go to the bar and they talk about how the drinks take so much better after a good day of hard work than like their normal workless routine. Um, what do you think, Doug? We got how, how should we lay this out? How, how itch are, are you? How itching are you to go? How itching are you to tear it up? Or should we go into this, this other thing we got to talk about? You talk about whatever you want, man. I'm just here for the. The duration, so whenever you want to come to me, I'll, I'll be here. You'll be, you'll be here waiting. Um, you owe me $150, Doug. Yeah, it's on the way. <laughs> <laughs> Doug and I made a bet. man, one or the other. Doug and I made a bet four years ago. Yeah. Four years ago, or some amount of time. Four, over four years ago. Well, that Doug felt ago. that, that uh, Trump wouldn't finish his first term. And I was like, ah, I think he will. And Doug got all excited around the Mueller probe, got all excited around the Ukraine probe, got all excited around the attempted coup, and then in the end, 
Oh, at the last minute, when he got excited <laughs> about the, the, the coup attempt. I got so excited. When he got that excited, he... um. What, he, I said, if you're that excited, Doug, let's throw down more money. And Doug's like, I need odds. And then I was like, I'll give you two to one odds. So Doug puts another 50 in. <laughs> and then on the last, like the day before the inauguration, Doug, I, he had some other thing about, well, you know, there's always like, I don't know what kind of helicopter mechanics they got down there. but <laughs> And Doug's like, you know, and I said, Doug, I'll give you 10 to one if you want to add more money to our bet. If you're if you're at the point where you're where it's going to be a helicopter issue, so now Doug owes me 150 bucks, which I need to use. I need the money because I owe people money for the bet I lost. About I was I made two bets, 100 bucks a piece that he'd do a second term. So I'm waiting on your money to then turn around and send that money plus 50 more dollars. So I'm still in the hole on this whole thing. But uh, well, so am I. But I did make sure. a thousand. I, I am looking to make a thousand bucks off Pebble Mine. Anyway, we'll, we'll come back to you, Doug. All right. Uh, Kay Spencer, get into this whole thing. This is some interesting stuff, man. This is the kind of story that starts making gravy, or yeah. you know what? It unmakes gravy. It's kind. Of, it's kind of been that way. People yes. were trying to have it make gravy. Yep. But then the gravy has, rather than thickened, the gravy has thinned. Yeah, I'll, uh, on that point, like, there was... Can you keep it all in gravy terms? Yeah. Okay. On that point, before we started the conversation, there was a quote um, from a, a reporter on this story that said, this is like a bad horror movie. It's missing a lot of plot points. <laughs> Basically implying that there's just not enough there's information no yet right, from investigators. So... What we're going to be talking about is a tragedy that happened on Monday on Real Foot Lake in Northwest Tennessee. I got to jump in. Mm-hmm. Uh, Phil, you know Real Foot Lake because we've discussed it on the show a few times. And do you remember when you had to put in the audio of how on Real Foot Lake they have a calling strategy? Mm-hmm. Where you go, I, I, I. Yeah. To call in mallards. Yep. That lake is this lake. Oh, okay. That's there. That's oh, there. Wow. So we've covered. Is it? I'm guessing it's really popular then? Like they're massively. For, for duck hunting? So just so Phil's up to speed. And Phil, maybe you can put that, that guy yelling back in again to remind people. Sure. I'll interrupt a hundred more times, but go on. <laughs> no, you're right. It's it's a historic duck hunting lake in the Mississippi flyaway. Um, and when we're talking about the story, I think it's important to understand like a little bit about the lake. I'm going to read the description from the Tennessee State Park website. Real Foot Lake State Park is located in northwest corner of Tennessee and is noted for its fishing, boating, and wildlife viewing. The 15,000-acre lake was created by a series of violent earthquakes in 1811 and 1812, that caused the Mississippi River to flow backwards for a short period of time, creating Real Foot Lake. So essentially... The New Madrid earthquake. Yes. Yeah. This is an enormous water body with the average depth of six foot. And it's just a giant flooded forest with a lot of vegetation on the surface and submerged cypress stumps. That's but What year was location. the New Madrid earthquake? 1800s. It was right around the war. 1811, 1812. 
Yeah, it's right around the world. Did you take the challenge when I asked you to discuss the botanist, Bradbury? I forgot about it almost immediately after we hung up the phone, so I did not take your challenge. Okay. There was a dude. <laughs> there was an English botanist that had come to America to do a survey, a botany survey of the American West. He, another thing he was interested in, you know, I don't know if people know this, honeybees are not native here. And this guy was interested in, um, check his, check that his name's Bradbury, will you? Was interested in that the honeybees were always like ahead of civil, ahead of civilization, that they, that, that honeybees colonized land ahead of Europeans. But he comes out to do this deal, to do this big, uh, gather up all this vegetation. And then he wants to publish on, you know, vegetation of the American West. John Bradbury. John Bradbury. He's got like an assistant with him. At some point, he wraps up his project and sends the assistant home with all these trunks full of all of his samples. And he's got a thing or two he wants to get taken care of and gets waylaid by the New Madrid earthquake when the river flows backwards. Gets delayed by that. And over this, like, changes his route home and tries to go down through Louisiana. The War of 1812 starts up, and the guy's like, he doesn't get back. to He's, like, two years late getting back. Now, if you're, like, two days late, you get all stressed out. The guy, like, gets home two years late. Jeez. His assistant, meanwhile, steals his shit and, and, and publishes the piece. She thought he was dead? I don't know. We should get him on the podcast. Look him up. Get man. him on the podcast. <laughs> but did he? Did we he need to get one of those those mediums, one of those people that communicates. There you go. Did he contest it? Like, was he able to get it back? Is under his name or, ne- or no? Yeah, something like that went on. But that my uh, that's why I was asking Spencer to dig in, but he forgot about it. It's weird that you would just tell me that flat out that you just chose chose not to research. That. I'm not going to be uh, Rick and and try to get in a hole here. So. Yeah. <laughs> New Madrid earthquake, river. Uh, uh, Wilco has a song about, or no? What Wilco used to be before there? Wilco, Uncle Tupelo. They had a song about that earthquake. Go on. So what I'm going to tell you about uh, this murder is just what has been said from the district attorney, or what was said on the Back to the Lodge podcast. Now the host of the Back to the Lodge podcast is a friend of the witness to the murders, so I would um, lend some credibility to what he had to say. He's, he's a secondhand person and uh, I would say one of the best sources within the first three days of this happening. Um, you're going to ask me to like, clarify a lot of things or add more details. I'm probably not going to have them. Um, well, I would just like to... Um, I'm actually going to lean away from my microphone after I say this. <laughs> I would like you to cover the ways in which people um, sought to assign a narrative to this that would uh, support certain criticisms of hunting on this lake. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm yes. leaning back. So Monday morning. Yeah. What, and the date, just because this is now it's like February 15th, but it happened, what, January 24th? 25th. 25th. Oh, what we'll do, man, later, we'll, uh, I leaned back forward. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you can just pull your we'll mic put back like to updates. You. We'll put like updates or something. Sure. We, we've been updating this story on our website, so as like even more information becomes available, you'll find stuff there. 
Certainly the story will have changed by the time this episode drops. This happened Monday morning, January 24th. All that was really known was that a 70-year-old suspect was sought for killing a 26-year-old and a 25-year-old duck hunter. Early speculation on Facebook and forums was that there was a dispute. There were local reporters even reporting that there was a dispute. Some said it was over a blind. This lake is said to have 600 duck hunting blinds, a mix of private and public. Some of them you can earn by like being in a draw system. Um, some of them are like staked out for the season. From what I've understood, some, some people said it was a dispute over a blind. Other people said that it was an argument over sky busting or shooting at swinging birds. The blinds tend to get piled up on this lake in a way that if ducks are decoying to one blind, somebody in another blind could have the opportunity to shoot at those birds before they make it to the hunter that's actually calling them. So that was also in the early speculation Monday night. That was sort of like the accepted story that this 70-year-old man left his blind, came over to the blind of the 26-year-old and the 25-year-old, and shot him for sky-busting birds or shooting at swinging ducks to his decoys. And this um, was like, it had sort of become a story of the culture of Real Foot Lake. When you saw this talked about on Facebook, people were like, why am I not surprised? Like, of course it was Real Foot Lake. I knew right away when I heard this story, there's going to be the Real Foot Lake. There's so many problems mm -hmm. there with bullying and intimidation um, and conflicts between non-residents and residents and guides and DIYers, um, that this is just a product that has been boiling up for decades. So that was like the early story of what had happened. We've since learned that it seems as though that's not the reality of, of what took place. So what I'll, what I'll tell you now is like what we've learned, like I said, from the district attorney and the podcast um, where the host had sort of secondhand information. 25-year-old Zach Grooms, 26-year-old Chance Black, and 58-year-old Jeff Crabtree got to their duck blind about 6 a.m. on Real Foot Lake. At 9 or 10 a.m., a boat approaches the blind. The person in the boat is the suspect, 70-year-old David Vowell. He asks if he can join the three hunters, and they said yes. Vowell then loads his gun and shoots grooms at point-blank range in the chest. What has been said on the podcast is that um, the other hunters thought that they just witnessed a tragic accident. They rush over to grooms, and as they're like trying to help grooms, Vowell then shoots Black in the side, killing him as well. So the 70-year-old has now shot the 26-year-old and the 25-year-old within minutes of arriving at their blind asking him, if he can hunt with them. So now we have the 70-year-old left and the 58-year-old Jeff Crabtree left. Crabtree wrestles the gun away from Vowell, strikes him with the butt of the gun, knocks Vowell into the lake, and throws the shotgun into the water. Hmm. The water at their blind was about waist deep. Investigators later recovered the gun and said a third shell was in the gun, but it was jammed. Um, so... Hmm. Jeez. Some have suspected that Val was also going to try to shoot Crabtree. Now, in Tennessee, or, or this is probably a federal law, I guess, right? You have to have a plug in your gun. You can only have three shells, so that was his third shell. Um, nobody has officially said that 
right? Val was going to shoot Crabtree, but that's some early speculation that this third shell was jammed in the recovered shell. Well, did he have a, if he had a semi-auto, it just would have cycled on its own. I don't know. No, not a lot of details right now yeah, on that. If he had a pump. Yep. So Vowell, the shooter, has been knocked into the water. There's two men that are laying there with close range shots from a shotgun. Crabtree loads them into the boat and drives away from the scene. As he's driving away, he looks back and he sees Vowell getting out of the water and walking towards the bank of the lake. Hmm. And that's the last time that Vowell is seen. Man, between streaming services, fitness apps, and delivery services, it's never ending. I'm talking about the, the, the subscriptions, the monthly dings on your credit card. Well, thanks to Rocket Money, I'm no longer wasting money on the ones I forgot about. Rocket Money is a personal finance app. It goes in and finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions. Meaning, you know, like, let's say there's like a show that comes out and you want to watch it and you wind up doing like this free trial and you forget about it. And then two years later, you realize you're paying those hosers 12 bucks a month for something you don't use. It finds that stuff, cancels it. It helps lower your bills so you can grow your savings instead. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has saved a total of $500 million in canceled subscriptions, saving members up to $740 a year when using all the app's features. With Rocket Money, I have full control over my subscriptions and a clear view of my expenses. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash meat eater. That's rocketmoney.com slash meat eater. Again, rocketmoney.com slash meat eater. Spring is a great time to do something with your family. Do some spring cleaning, which I kind of started today outside, planning outdoor activities, which I'm always doing, taking a little trip to Hawaii with your kids for spring break, which I just did, which was great. You know what else you can do for your family this spring? You can shop for life insurance with Policy Genius. Make that part of your financial planning for the year. I've said it before a, a thousand times, I'll say it again. When my wife and I, when we started having kids, we got serious about life insurance, and man, I felt so much better after we did. With Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies that start at just 292 bucks per year for a million dollars of coverage. Some options offer same-day approval and avoid unnecessary medical exams. Even if you already have a life insurance policy through work, it may not offer enough protection for your family's needs, and it may not follow you if you leave your job. So save time and money and provide your family with a financial safety net using Policy Genius. Head to policygenius.com or click the link in the description to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you could save. That's policygenius.com. Applying for tags each year in the West can be daunting. Yeah, I apply for everything everywhere. It's daunting. You have to go to a variety of sources to formulate your best guess as to where to apply. Well, this is a thing of the past now. Onyx just launched hunt research tools to simplify the process for all hunters. This tool helps organize the data that matters, makes comparing hunt options easy, and helps hunters develop a plan based on real metrics rather than gut feelings. Onyx Hunt also offers all elite members a free digital membership to Hunt and Fool, who I use, for boots on the ground insight and knowledge, and a membership to Hunt Reminder, 
so you never miss another deadline. Stop stressing over application season and apply with confidence in 2024. Check out OnX Hunt Research Tools, free for all OnX Hunt Elite members. Not an elite member? Well, let's fix that. Use code MEATEATER to receive 20% off your membership at onxmaps.com slash hunt. This is an app I use literally every day. I use it for every aspect of hunting, scouting, trapping, you name it. So at this point, you have Grooms and Black that are dead, Crabtree is alive, and Vowel is missing and has been charged with two counts of murder. They have not yet found him. Why was it that... Why was it that when, you know, whenever something like this happens, like you just get flooded with text messages and links and whatnot. Um, what was all the stuff that he's like on the bottom of the, that the, that the suspect is like on the bottom of the lake somewhere or, you know, that he's probably not alive. Like, what is that coming from? The weather has been bad in that area. Um, like I said earlier, Real Foot Lake is largely a submerged or a flooded forest. Um, so there's a lot of stuff below the surface that makes it dangerous for boating. The The lake has rised um, since Monday because of storms. There's been wind and rain. Um, and his he, his boat was found 200 yards away from the scene, but Vowell has not been found. Hmm. So Vowell left the scene on foot. Uh, and because of the rain, the cold temperatures, the rising water, they suspect that if he's still in the area, that he's not alive. Uh, and, and that is a quote that the DA had. He had said, uh, there's no good way out of there. This from the district attorney. It's a huge wilderness area. We're convinced someone assisted him in leaving the area or he's still in the area. If he's still in the area, he's more than likely not alive. Now, like I said, within the first 24 hours, um, most folks had assumed that this was an argument that happened over the blind or over swinging ducks or whatever. And the language that the Tennessee Bureau of Investigation or of Investigators Investigation had used was that Vowell um, has not been caught and he is armed and dangerous, which sort of like fueled that um, this that this was like an argument that happened on the podcast. The friend of Crabtree said. There was no confrontation. There was no fighting over a duck. There was no fighting over a blind. What did take place was heartbreaking. And that is that a gentleman, Vowell, who was going through something very, very difficult and challenging, was not able to process what they were going through. And that resulted in the tragedy on Monday. Now, the district attorney has also been quoted saying, one of the first things we look for is a motive. Here we don't have a motive. We don't see a motive. Mental illness may prompt a shooting or a crime. Perhaps that's what we have here. Or there may be some motive that we just don't understand. Those were quotes that came out um, yesterday morning. But then last night, um, sort of like the information that everyone was waiting for to be confirmed, the DA said in an interview that Vowell, the 70-year-old shooter, has early onset dementia. Hmm. I take it they've been probably interviewing family and friends of Val. Yes. Yep. And and uh, Val had no criminal record prior to this. Um, I had read a quote from a friend somewhere that said something like he wouldn't go as far to say a cuss word. Um, not not that that 
doesn't make somebody capable of murder, but it sort of adds to the uh, this being a, a mental illness thing and, and fueled by the dementia that the DA has now confirmed. So the, the DA has provided like a lot of information. One of the reporters working on this story said that he's the most transparent DA that you could possibly ask for and has been really good about communicating with people. But the DA also said that it's his job to not cloud the judgment for a potential future jury. So with that, there's probably some information or details being withheld yet that, that we don't know. Obviously, law enforcement has, has more information at this point. Man. Crazy. Heartbreaking. Yeah. From Spencer's crime desk. Yeah, so th- this is all the information we have right now. Um, we're going to keep updating TheMeteor.com as things become available. Who knows? Uh, by the end of the day, they could have a body. They could have him in jail. We could know more about uh, his mental state. Now, an- an- another important detail in this is a lot of people have asked, why didn't Crabtree shoot Vowel? Hmm. Um, th- there were plenty of guns around. He obviously had, like, that opportunity to do it. And... Um, the, the host of the podcast who had talked to Crabtree again said that the gentleman that survived this didn't even have the heart to shoot the guy in self-defense. He even tried to help the third party that is wanted, which is Val. He even tried to get him to shore, uh, which sort of further confirms that there was just some sort of some state of confusion uh, by Val when this happened. You know, uh, an interesting thing about how it was handled in the how it was handled in the media would be that because there was no there was no no actual connection to these problems that people talk about at Real Foot Lake, these like overcrowding, competition, all the tension there. They would like the articles would be like, "Oh, the, the double homicide at Real Foot Lake," and then it'd have this sort of tone where you're like, "Oh, and, you know, by the way." A lot of disputes on Real Foot Lake about blinds and who historically had a blind and now that the public land hunters are there and they're hunting. Just, you know, a little something to keep in mind. That was how it was presented. Yeah. Making the connection, but but the glue isn't there. Yep. Hey, this is Spencer Newharth. And since we recorded this podcast, there have been new developments on the Real Foot Lake double homicide. On January 30th, the Tennessee Bureau of Investigation announced that they recovered the body of David Vowell in Real Foot Lake. According to the Tennessee River Valley News, Vowell was discovered by a hunting guide in an area locals refer to as Grassy Island, a spot not too far from where the incident took place. Although autopsy results won't be back for a few weeks, Nick Barris of News Channel 5 heard from sources that Vowell died of an apparent drowning. High lake levels from heavy rain caused authorities to temporarily halt the search, and District Attorney Tommy Thomas said the water temperature was 39 degrees. This is a developing case that we're going to continue to update you on. Head over to Mediator.com for more on this story. I got a follow-up for you. How excited are you to go uh, fishing with me on Monday? And why is it that your wife will not go? Um, and I told you that we would wine her and dine her. And you still said she will not go. I'm excited uh-huh. to go. My wife 
just is not interested in in hunting and fishing in general. Did and you I, take offense when I said we'd winer and diner? No. Okay. No. Um, and I'm I'm cool with that. My wife has zero percent interest in participating in ice fishing. Ice fishing. I offered deer to call hunting, her, duck and talk to her about what it's like to be out in the cold <laughs> and dark. Uh huh. At night fishing and how she might enjoy it. And you didn't even want me to give her a ring. No, nope. I, I am, uh, I'm real satisfied. I mean, what you don't understand here is it's very cold and dark. <laughs> I'm real satisfied by her uh, lack of interest in participating because I would rather it be 0% than like 30% or 40%. Oh, dude, I am not saying, trust me, mm-hmm. trust me. I am not saying that she ought to be, should pretend to be. Yep. I just was looking for a little clarification. I have tons of friends where their spouses or boyfriends or girlfriends or fiancés have like that 30 or that 40, 50% interest in participating in stuff. But then they get cold, they get tired, they don't want to wake up in time. And it just like makes the experience worse for everybody. My wife was that way at one point. Uh, We've been together for over a decade. At this point, though, it's 0%. It's been that way for the last five years. And we are both very happy with that arrangement. She but goes, she likes picking rocks. I was Loves just about picking to say rocks. that. Yeah, she goes rock hunting. Loves right, picking rocks. Yeah. Yep. At at risk of uh, fostering a jealous, fractious work environment <laughs> here, <laughs> I'll point out that my wife got a nice set of earrings from Spencer's wife out of rocks he picked. They picked. So did Corinne. And so did and, Kelsey. Yeah, Kelsey got a pair too. Did Phil get a pair? No. Doug, you getting earrings over there, buddy? I don't, but I uh, <laughs> I, I uh, understand um, and and sympathize with Spencer. My uh, sympathize is the wrong word, but my wife is not interested in hunting at all either. I mean, she's an artist. She's just like this is what I do. That's what you do. And um, other than the eating of it, you know, it's it's really not a a thing. It can be a little hard sometimes because of the amount of time that I want to spend at it. And she's like, well, you're going to go and do that. I'm going to go and do something else. But um, I guess we get enough together in this time. So. But Doug's wife will garden circles around you. Oh, that's for sure. Doug didn't get earrings, but I did send him some other rocks the other day. Oh, yeah, man. And, and uh, garnering all kinds of favor with me, Spencer, is and, and uh, almost to the point where I'm forgiving him for some of his transgressions <laughs> about Wisconsin. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, and uh, they're proudly displayed. I guess I, I, I actually I posted a picture about, uh, about him, a couple of garnets and some petrified wood. And um, it's really interesting going to your mailbox. And actually, I guess they came UPS, but you pick up this thing and Trisha's like, what is in here? I said, well, it's a bag of rocks. And she didn't believe me until I opened it up, but there it was, <laughs> bag of rocks. You guys go rock picking on, not, uh, I, I, yeah, Doug, not rock. <laughs> Doug's like, did we talk about this before? I think we did. Doug heard rock picking and he got excited because he thought they were going out <laughs> into fields. Oh, yeah. Picking rocks to make a farmer's life easier. And he's like, well, that's <laughs> awful nice of them. <laughs> and he's like, that's great because Doug's like, Doug, you know, doesn't enjoy rock picking, but no, recognizes it as something that needs to happen. It's, and there's there's great value in it. And actually, uh, the, the, the flint rock that we have it here in, in the Driftless area. Um, in particular, in our township, my father always referred to as Westford Diamonds. So, uh, <laughs> so I'm looking forward to Spencer coming and picking some Westford Diamonds someday. Me too. But rock hounding. You guys are going rock hounding on Monday before we fish. That's right. Yep. Hmm. 
And then she's going on home. She's going to go home and I'm going to go ice fishing. And uh, <laughs> like I said. We're, Are you guys both... going after uh, Burbot again? Shh. Oh, we can't talk about that? It's <laughs> <laughs> top secret. Sorry. All right, Seth. Hit, hit this deal. This has been sitting. This has been sitting in our our, our to do list for long ass time. Are you equipped? Because I see your name there. Yeah. Um. There's this fellow from Louisiana that wrote in. Um. He's a archery hunter. Um. He was. He had this. I would say a hit list buck. He he had had his eye on for quite some time, and uh, had a bunch of trail cam pictures of it. And tried killing it with no success. And then one day it showed up on his neighbor's trail camera mm-hmm. with its antler flopping to one side. Hmm. Um, and his neighbor showed him the pictures and he he didn't think that it was the same buck that he was after until a couple of days later it showed up on his trail camera. And then he realized, you know... That's the same buck that he's been after, and it must have been hit by a car or something, and it broke a chunk of, like, didn't break his antler off, it broke the skull, like, yeah. below the pedicle. Um, so he had just had, like, a flopping antler. And so the like, guy, it, like... It actually had, like, movement. Like, when it walked, it flopped. If you look at the pictures of yeah, it. Yeah, if you look at... I'm, I'm a, I saw the pictures. Yeah, it looks... It's a nice buck. It's a damn nice buck. I'm sure. Uh, yeah, I'm. I'm sure it would flop when he would walk. It looks floppy. It's to probably me. painful as hell. Oh my god! Can you imagine, man, having your skull cracked? This hap- This very story happened to me and Yanni. But go on. Um. So he like he he made it. Like he he really wanted to kill this buck to just basically put it out of its misery. Um. Which I I don't know if the thing would live or not. Man, they can survive so much. I've crazy seen elk, stuff, man. I've seen elk healed up from broken skulls. I killed a wild hog one time that had broken his lower jaw clean, and it had fused back together. Really? I shouldn't say clean. It was so broken and fused up and whatnot that I don't know why I said broke it clean. It looked like it broke, like I mean, like broke the jaw. Yeah. You know why I think I thought it was broken broke clean? Because it healed at an angle, like a hockey stick. And I was like, there's no way that would have happened if it had mm, been. Yeah, yeah. Makes sense. Um, Why are you looking incredulous when I say that? I'm, no, I'm not. I trust you. You were there. For the pig? Yeah. I don't remember. Oh. So he, he made it. a liar? <laughs> Go on, Seth. So this... <laughs> This guy made it his like personal mission to try and kill this buck, put it out of its misery. Why um, not try to get it because it's a huge buck? Well, yeah, I'm sure he, that too. But since it's suffering, he like really wanted to get it now. Um, he says, fast forward several days, he got his opportunity, made a 50-yard shot, and watched it expire. Um, so he, he has this nice buck with a floppy antler. He wanted to get it mounted. Um, so he got it mounted and he had, when he had it mounted, he had it put back normal. Like the, like, you know, the buck was the whole time that he was getting pictures of it and had all this history with it. Stupid, stupid, stupid. 
And Stupid. he wants our opinion on that because he's getting a lot of flack <laughs> from <laughs> he's getting a lot of flack from friends and colleagues and just he says even random strangers. <laughs> <laughs> like, just all of a sudden there's a knock at the door. <laughs> like, Dad, someone's here, I don't know who it is. <laughs> um Yeah, apparently people are giving him shit that People were giving him shit because he didn't mount the bar. How he killed strangers. <laughs> Here, like at the grocery store, somebody's like, "You the guy? I recognize you." Yeah. Um. So yeah, he's catching a lot of flack from for mounting this buck how it was before he broke his skull. He his argument is that he was putting it back into its state of glory. Yeah. Listen, man, that was a huge mistake. I would put that buck mount out in the road in hopes that someone hits it and knocks it back to how it's supposed to be. Really? Yes. Or I just hit it real hard with a bat <laughs> and why, knock why it back it, to why, where it, Why is that supposed to be that way again? Because, listen, I've never, well, no, I have. I've gotten some rugs and things. I've never gotten a shoulder mount of something made up. But, Ever. No, but okay. How about this? How about you get a buck? No, I've never gotten a shoulder mount. What What would it take for you to get a shoulder mount? Well, I when my, uh, I would like to get my late father's. He has a fawn, a deer fawn. He had a wild pig's butt that my brother took. He has a, a little shitting buck mounted. He's got a bear shoulder mount mounted. He's got a pig shoulder mount mounted. I want all those mounts, but I don't want one. I don't like. I think that I don't think they look cool. And you would never ever say you killed a state record whitetail. I'd do what I would always do. I'd get the skull cleaned up and put it on my skull shelf. All right. I don't, I just don't like. I don't, I don't think they look cool. Personally, I don't think I don't want to like make it be back to how it looked when. It, well, in this case, he should. <laughs> I don't, I'm not like 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 I'm comfortable with its deadness, right? I'm comfortable with its deadness. Do you know the 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 painter? Um, tells her name. Always painting skulls and bones and whatnot. Oh, Southwest Santa o- Fe O'Keefe George O'Keefe. George O'Keefe. You think she ran around painting uh, deer looking all normal? Uh uh-uh. uh skulls. So here's the thing. If I wasn't going to get one and I said to the tax service, oh, yeah, if you don't mind, can you just make them look a little bigger? Like it, the point is it's how you got it. If you are going to do it, it's how it was when you got it. That's what you're memorializing. When you get a fish stuffed, and they don't even use the fish when you get a fish stuffed, you don't change it to have it be like – you know, like, oh yeah, if you don't mind adding a few pounds on there. Yeah, like you. I feel like he must have been a lot bigger out, when he yeah. was spawn when she was spawning last spring. So let's make her look fat. Uh, what, what Back would, to her glory. What would you do in this situation? I, I shot. Stu- I would have stuffed that thing so fast with that antler cocked over to the side. No, I, I well, no you wouldn't have stuffed it. You would have just done what you always do <laughs> and boiled the skull, and you would have like have an antler laying there, laying yeah. next to the skull. <laughs> One antler would have like a four-inch chunk of skull attached to it, and, and it, it'd be quite. Everybody would ask. You'd have a story to tell a lot. Yeah, I have a different. Well, scenario. Be like, did your I, kid drop that? I have a I'd be like, no. In fact, 
I have a different way to look at it too, but go ahead, Spencer. <laughs> no, so uh, in uh, 20, 2018, I shot a buck in late December mm-hmm. with my muzzleloader that dropped in his tracks. He didn't move an inch from where he was standing when my bullet hit him. What, what month? December. Mm, it was like December 23rd. He dropped to the ground, and when I got up to him, one antler had popped off. And but he that was, wasn't how you got him. Well, I don't know if he died before <laughs> the mm. antler popped off or not. There, oh. there was a tight window there <laughs> where I can't assess what exactly happened. So would you mount it with the antler back on him? Yes. Because that's okay. how it was when I shot at it. Oh, all right. That's how it was when I shot at it. Oh, I saw a Remy one time. He shot an elk, and the elk fell over, and the antler fell off. Because it slid down the mountain, busted its antler off. We were with him for that one. I do remember. Yeah, and I'd be like, in, in my mind, you could screw that back on because it wasn't. That's how you got him was with his antlers. Now, what if you shot a deer, say in like October? Okay. With your bow, and he runs off. You made a bad shot in the guts. He runs off. You never that's, find that's, him. That's reasonable. You never find him. Oh, until wow, until February, you find him. But by this time, squirrels have chewed up his antlers. They're now bleached white. He doesn't look like he was when you shot at him. Are you going to restore him? No, but you know what? The the you know how I said I want to get my old man's buck. Mm-hmm. So my old man, he it, this buck was like not a big buck, but it was big for at the time because you didn't see like you never saw bucks that had lived past their first year. So what we thought was an enormous buck wasn't. It was just, I can't remember what it was. It was like 120-inch whitetail. He got it stuffed. Here's the dirty secret. It was a dirty secret. He told everybody about it. So the old man is sitting there in what we call the pine plantation on the Zerlot farm. And the old man sticks a deer right below him. Okay? So there's no exit. The arrows comes in like into his back and no exit wound right in the lungs. It runs into the corn and he's like dead deer. Okay. In our tracking of the, we could never find a drop of blood. We now looking back on it, think that we basically were like sitting, like sitting on that deer, sitting around that deer. But we just in the corn somehow didn't find it, even though we like circled all around it because the farmer then went to harvest that cornfield and found the deer. Uh, my old man, questionable or not, my old man took the head off that deer, went out, got the head off that deer and got a cape from someone and stuffed the deer. And that deer is in my mom's living room at the, the, the minute I'm sitting here talking to you. She puts a Christmas bow around its neck at Christmas. It's sitting there right now. So he did reconstruct the buck. He didn't recover that buck, but we know that we should have. And like, we just missed it in the corn. It doesn't make sense. We missed it. I later went, I was with my brother. We later went and looked at that buck, the headless buck. And I looked in there, I could see a possum's tail wiggling around in there. And there's a <laughs> hole in it about four inches across. And I put my hand in there and hauled that possum out by the tail and took a photo of it <laughs> in that buck. He, and it, like over time, all the details went away and it became like the old man's buck. 
Was it? <laughs> you know what I mean? But that, like, it became like, oh, there's a dad's big bark. It's like, eh, kind of. Yeah, Maybe. that's a whole nother rabbit hole. I don't know if we have time Dad's to get into. nothing to do with this brother I, here. I have a way to look at it. So he, he gets his buck mounted because he wants to remember it, how it was before it got messed up. Say you have a dog, right? Okay. And you spend lots of time with this dog. Okay. But for some reason, the last month of its life, it ends up getting sick and then dies. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> do you want to remember that dog? For the life you had with it before it got sick, or the last month of its life when it was sick. Hmm. Seth, bring in the heat. I like it. <laughs> Here's the deal, man. <laughs> <laughs> Doug, <laughs> Doug's just shaking his head on the big screen. So, <laughs> so the dog analogy is it doesn't work because this is a wild animal and. Uh, had that deer not had its horn busted, that guy may not have gotten it. So that I agree with Steve on that. Oh, yeah, that, he shot a was, yeah, right. Yeah. I mean, if had that had its wits about it, he may not have gotten it. I mean, the only it sounds like the reason he got it is because it didn't have its wits about it. Yeah, you know, I shot a one-eyed deer one time, and everybody thought that I got it because it had one eye. But I pointed out that its good eye was in my face in my direction. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so my taxidermist or the guy who does uh, taxidermy around here is a friend of mine. When people ask him to fix an antler, he won't do it. He's like got that. Antler. He's got that level of screw. Yeah. He said, no, I won't do it. I, you, that's not the way you kill the deer. And then of course the other thing is, is when you do get a deer stuffed, the only part of it, I mean, it's, it's hide, but the, the, all it is is a skull cap. So the ones I kind of feel like you do, Steve. I'll I'll probably never get another one, um, another shoulder mount because they just don't look like the deer that was killed. Oh yeah, but the standard, the standard looks awesome, man. Well, yeah, but it doesn't look like a deer that was out in the woods (laughs) running around. But it's a great piece of taxidermy. It's just an average buck for around here. Um, Anyway, uh, (laughs) uh, but uh, but he was big. I mean, his face and everything was bigger. I mean, when they do those measurements and they cut the stuff off. Every deer that I've seen stuffed and that I was able to compare it to in life, they just don't look they, they don't look as good. They don't look as big to me, at least. Mm-hmm. Here's so what, anyway, here's my take on the dog more, thing. What you should have said, Seth, what's you should have said this. If I was doing what you're doing, I would have done this. I'd have said, let's say you're married and you love your spouse, like and you're married 50 years. Most beautiful uh, spouse you ever laid eyes. I'm trying to make this so so it's Everybody can appreciate it. So I'm just saying spouse. Yep. Most beautiful spouse you ever laid eyes on. Loved her your whole life. Him, her, them. Spouse. Spouse. <laughs> and then they develop a uh, heinous uh, facial problem that kills them. Uh, they very much wanted to have an open casket. This is what you should say. They very much want to have it. Always had said, when I die, I would like you to... Th- have an open casket funeral. Yep. The mortician comes to you and says, Seth, how are we going to roll here? I could fix her right back to her glory, him to his glory, or I can leave it the way it is. That's what you should have said. Yep. Not make it some dog. And then you would say, (laughs) 
then you would say fix it. <laughs> Implying that this deer uh, had said that he would want to be mounted, right? With this, the wound. deer had said to his buddies, he said, "Listen, everyone knows sometimes you don't make it through the rut. <laughs> <laughs> should I fall? That was good. during general. Should I fall during general <laughs> firearm? Let it be known. I don't want them. When I said this happened to me and Yanni." This is embarrassing for me. We were hunting deer one time, and I see a buck coming, and it's in the brush. And right. I right it's in the brush. <laughs> that detail's never come out before. But feel, go on. Feel free to interrupt him here, Yana. Coming in the brush, the thick, coming through the thick brush that very much obscured my vision. I see a deer coming that has. Such huge antlers that there's actually antlers coming out of its chin. <laughs> like so much antler that there's antler below its jaw. I believe I said, here comes a buck of a lifetime. Yes. <laughs> but it was in fact a forky <laughs> that had got hit by a car and one of its antlers had become dislodged. <laughs> yeah. I just saw like <laughs> tines. <laughs> Yeah, if there's a tine by its chin, there must be ten others above its yeah. ears. Imagine how many must be on top of its head. Hard to see in that brush, but I'm telling you. Oh, I don't have much to say about this uh, this here talking point and story, other than I feel like it's a, a little trivial, and you know we should all be so lucky that we can you know have fun and talk about this, but like. Bradley, I think you should do whatever you want to do with that damn buck. <laughs> and, and all those people, just tell them to F off. There's, yeah, don't worry about the from, random... Straight from Yanni's desk right there. I wouldn't right. worry about the random strangers. Now. Did you know Rocket Money can cancel a subscription for you? They'll even alert you when there's been an increase in a subscription price and negotiate rates for you. I can see my subscriptions in one place, and if I see something I don't want, Rocket Money can help me cancel it with just a few taps. You wouldn't believe how many people are paying for subscriptions they don't use. This happened to me. It's annoying. This helps you find it out and get rid of it. Well, Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions and monitors your spending and helps lower your bills so you can grow your savings. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has saved a total of $500 million in canceled subscriptions, saving members up to $740 a year when using all of the app's features. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash meat eater. That's rocketmoney.com slash meat eater. Rocketmoney.com slash meat eater. Applying for tags each year in the West can be daunting. Yeah, I apply for everything everywhere. It's daunting. You have to go to a variety of sources to formulate your best guess as to where to apply. Well, this is a thing of the past now. Onyx just launched hunt research tools to simplify the process for all hunters. This tool helps organize the data that matters, makes comparing hunt options easy, and helps hunters develop a plan based on real metrics 
rather than gut feelings. OnX Hunt also offers all elite members a free digital membership to Hunt and Fool, who I use, for boots on the ground, insight and knowledge, and a membership to Hunt Reminder, so you never miss another deadline. Stop stressing over application season and apply with confidence in 2024. Check out OnX Hunt Research Tools, free for all OnX Hunt Elite members. Not an elite member? Well, let's fix that. Use code MEATEATER to receive 20% off your membership at onxmaps.com slash hunt. This is an app I use literally every day. I use it for every aspect of hunting, scouting, trapping, you name it. Hey man, after years of fine print contracts and getting ripped off by overpriced wireless providers, if you've learned anything, it's that there is always a catch. So, when I heard that for a limited time, all Mint Mobile wireless plans are $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan, I thought, well, what's the catch? But it turns out, there isn't one. Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they sell wireless service online. They cut out the cost of retail stores and pass those sweet savings directly to you. Ditch overpriced wireless with Mint Mobile's limited time deal and get three months of premium wireless service for 15 bucks a month. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash meat eater. That's mintmobile.com slash meat eater. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash meat eater. $45 upfront payment required, equivalent to $15 per month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Uh, yeah, Spencer primed me up for this. Spencer and I had a little chit-chat the other day Spencer's about... Spencer's sick of CWD. <laughs> yeah, yeah no. I think a lot of people are. No. Um, oh, you're but... not? I heard from Corinne... <laughs> <laughs> I heard from Corinne that you wanted us to not beat this one to death. I, you didn't even need to hear it from Corinne because you were also <laughs> you on the email. email. <laughs> <laughs> what I said is that through data on our website, there's a bit of exhaustion from our readership about CWD. It's hard to get them interested. So I said there's probably a little bit of the same sentiment among podcast listeners. That's hmm. what the email said. Well, I'm sure, like, you're sure uh, not filling Doug's bucket, as they <laughs> wow. say in my kids' elementary say, school. enter Doug Duran. Enter Double D. That's Doug Duran's music. Moly. It's very, very important that we do continue to talk about it, yes. even if it has been beaten. But uh, what Spencer primed me on that I had no idea that was going on, which is the exciting part, maybe you should save this to the end, Doug, but I heard that Spencer was basically calling out Wisconsin – Deer hunters, and you were none too happy about what he had to say about you guys. Oh, well, I'm, 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 was ha- I mean, if, if Spencer's got evidence that somehow the Wisconsin deer culture is all about trophies and entering them into a record book, great. But, um, on the, the a previous podcast, he talked about that with, and, uh, uh, and, and was saying, well, Wisconsin calls itself the big buck capital of the world. And, <laughs> Do they? And, um, or other people call it that, oh. Field and Stream or whoever calls it that. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, it's because we have more Boone and Crockett, Pope and Young books, uh, bucks registered than any other state. 
And, uh, and he said, oh, it's because people in Wisconsin are braggadocious and they want to be in the record book. And I was Jesus, like, well, Spencer? I'm, no, I'm I, being I from Wisconsin. <laughs> well, right. And being from Wisconsin and being willing to take a look in the mirror, you know, um, I thought, well, you know, Spencer's probably got some real good information on this. So I asked him about that and he goes, oh, I never, I've never hunted in Wisconsin. I only sent uh, spent an afternoon at a wedding in the state. <laughs> So I'm like, <laughs> but well, what are you it, basing this but, on? But I, did, but I did talk to the bride's uncle, who's a deer hunter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he told me. So anyway, I just was like, well, I, I guess um, I don't know how else you decide who, you know, where the uh, big buck capital is if it's not by the number of bucks. And so, you know, uh, like that line in Caddyshack, how do you measure yourself against other golfers by height? Um, same thing. How do you, I mean, how do you, how do you, how do you do that? And, and I mean, it's, it, it's, there's a lot, I mean, I'd love to have Spencer come out and, and, uh, you know, show him around and, uh, and I hope he does that. And then, and I can kind of show him why the driftless area is a home to so many big giant bucks. I, I concede to you, Doug, and I, I will now refer to <clears throat> Wisconsin as the big buck state, but I, I, I felt justified in our conversations because um after that podcast dropped you were instagram messaging me you were emailing me telling me <laughs> random why. random strangers yes, yes. <laughs> and uh dog wanted that title and um yeah, i i felt as though it showed that there is that culture and that mindset there in taking pride in the record book sort of thing in wisconsin okay but that's not what we're here to talk about. Yeah, we leave it at that. <laughs> a guy wrote in, uh, kind of laying in about, kind of laying in about, uh, what the hell's his name? Just give his first I name. I don't remember. Oh. Guy from Southeast Minnesota. I don't remember his name. Yeah. Practically neighbors with Doug, because Doug's from Southwest Wisconsin. And that's an, in, that's an important point. Where he is and where we are, very similar in topography, you know, deer herd, yeah, uh, all of that. So he he lays in like, let me tell you all about CWD, and I knew in reading it, I was like, I feel like a lot of this stuff he's telling me is not accurate, but I didn't have the time to get into it. But I felt it was like interesting enough that I wanted to. I was like, Doug, you take a look at the email. You read the email. And then Doug was supposed to explain what he's saying, because I feel like this is probably like a commonly held thing. If you somehow don't know what we're talking about, we're talking about a uh, the deer and elk, the the cervid, the deer family version of like mad cow disease, um, which is spreading every year into more and more deer herds across the country. It's got people pretty worked up for two reasons: one, because it could wind up potentially, we don't know yet, being real problematic for deer populations, um, that they won't live long, you won't grow a huge bucks anymore because they're all dying, or that someone would wind up getting sick for deer meat, which ha- from deer meat, which has not happened, but it definitely like keeps you up at night thinking about it. No one wants to be the first person. No evidence that it's happened yet. Thou- tens of thousands of people have eaten CWD-infected deer meat, but it's still like, I don't, it, it just makes you nervous. So with that, Doug, talk about what this guy, take it, this is like Joe Blow America. 
out there saying like, here's why CWD is so full of shit. And, and, and what is this sort of take on it? Uh, the first thing I want to respond to is I understand the fatigue. Believe me, if I, I I'd rather not um, talk about this either, but I can guarantee you one thing about chronic wasting disease. If you ignore it, it is not going to go away. Um, it's only going to get worse. And we'll talk about that in a minute. So this guy had a few different um, comments. One of them was that there's no evidence that human uh, humans have contracted CWD from eating meat. Well, that's true. I, I, I don't, think I've ever said anything else, that there is no evidence at this point that it's that spread. So fair enough. But his reasoning was that's why they let you take the meat home, but they don't want you to take the spine and head home. And uh, the problem with that thought process is that the reason for those um, transportation movement restrictions are to protect the herd, not to protect people. This is a wildlife agency that's doing this, not a, uh, a, a public health agency. The only thing that public health has ever said about it was we recommend, you know, C- C- CDC and World Health Organization, we recommend against, um, and recommend you get it tested and you don't eat it if it's positive. The, the carcass movement is all about protecting the herd in um, the, where you're going to. So that's why they want you to properly dispose of the head and the spine, where, of course, the prions are concentrated as well. Um, Meaning that they know you're going to wind up dumping that, that you're going to wind up taking those bones and it's not going into your freezer. Right. You're you're going to dump them at the boat launch. So, yeah, exactly. Which used to be a popular place to dump dump If people are are doing that kind of stuff, right? Um, His second comment was, meat doesn't carry disease, and he said, see above. You know the thing about well, they let you take the meat. So, well, what this dude, Doug, just to what this dude was responding to on this is, I was saying like that I'm full of questions about CWD. Like I, I'm not, I'm not sitting around acting like I know something that I, I don't know anything that nobody, nobody else knows, right? I know what I read, um, and I read conflicting things and I try to sort it out in my head. But I said when I meet a guy who's like telling me, "Hey, it's no big deal. Don't worry about it." I said I would like to feed, make that guy a burger out of a bunch of CWD-infected deer and put some brain and spinal column stuff in there and whatnot. And then if he eats the burger, then I believe that he doesn't think it's a big deal. If he questions eating the burger, then I know that he's like me and he's a little worried about this whole thing. The guy that wrote in that I sent to Doug pointed out, um, that's why we don't eat the brain and we don't eat the spine because the meat's safe, but isn't, doesn't the shit like it's concentrated in the brain and spine, but it, it's found in the muscle, right? That's exactly right. And so um, he's off on that. He's wrong on that. And there's a, there's a study that shows that. And I guess, you know, logically you can think about it too. Another prion disease is mad cow disease, um, BSC. And people got that, right? There was a, it jumped from cattle to, um, it jumped from cattle to humans, um, and that came from eating the meat. So it's in the meat, and it's been proven it's in the meat. So um, I forwarded the study to to Corinne, and she can put that up, or you know, I can answer this guy directly if he wants. Yeah, why if don't you? Want. But there's you know there's studies that shows exactly um, that that show exactly the opposite, and um, the one that. Uh, um, that's still happening is the macaque monkeys and everybody's going to go, Oh, the one that was disproven. Well, it's, it, it wasn't disproven. Actually two of the monkeys in Canada were fed only meat from CWD 
positive white-tailed deer from Wisconsin. Um, that's an ongoing study, hasn't been published yet. So um, I would, you know, I'm not a scientist, and I would suggest that, you know, scientists talk about that more. And there have been some conflicting studies. So the hold point it, is, hold, is that- hold on a Did the monkeys, like, it was reported that they got, that the monkeys got CWD from eating deer meat, little chunks of deer steak. But in fact, that's, that's what not what them. happened. Yes, it is. There were five monkeys that got it. Two of them had it injected into their brains. Two of them were fed spinal column, and, and, and or one of them was fed uh, was injected in the spine and all that. Two of them were fed meat only. And who got the what monkey got it? Those are the five that got it out of the all the monkeys in the So a monkey did get it from eating the meat. Yeah, I, yes, I don't know. I thought that was discredited. Yeah, no, and it, it's, I, I mean the reason I'm hesitate I hesitate to talk too much about it is because it's an ongoing study. They there's nothing that. Uh, other than the Montana, there was, uh, was it Montana? Uh, I'm sorry, I don't remember who that was, but there was a conflicting, or a, a, another study that said, well, we did the same thing and no monkeys got it. So that's not that unusual, at least in my sort of logical way in, in, in animal husbandry way of uh, thinking about it. You know, my cattle, cattle, animals all together, not everybody gets the same disease. You know, not everybody necessarily gets COVID, not, you know, no yeah. matter what that is, right? Yeah. So, but now you can look into that and um, that study is ongoing and that will, that will come up. So that being said, it has not been proven to transfer to humans. Um, my only comment about like um, Clay and Seth were both talking about that, and and I've been there with Clay. I mean, hell, the last time you hunt, deer hunted out here, we didn't. Uh, I don't think we tested those. Oh no, we did. No, test that's them. a lie. We, we, we did test them. Yep. We tested. And I them waited for my results before I ate my deer because I felt that if we ate the deer and then got the results, um, my wife would be like, "Hummet, so you s- thought yeah. saw it was like you saw that it was appropriate to send it for a test." But then, why did we, it, like, if, if, it, if you right. cared enough to send it for testing, why did we not wait for the test results before we ate it? Like, if it doesn't matter, why did you send it for testing? So, right. And I didn't feel like explaining all that, so I just waited. Yeah, no, and, and I, think that, uh, I think that's a good policy. I, I, I respect anyone who is, in, uh, their, their choice, uh, like Seth said he would, I'll eat that burger. Um, I will tell you this, I had a very different experience when I had actually dealt with it. And Spencer's had that situation too. Like there it is. Um, uh, when I found out that I had a positive deer, it was very. It was, it was a very different mindset than talking about it in theory. Clay said that he hadn't had any deer tested yet, and they'd been in an area. And of course, same thing. I've been in a CWD area. It was quite a bit south of. But there's a chance that I've already that I've already uh, eaten CWD positive. But why would you? continue that when you have the opportunity to have it tested and at least make an informed decision. Mm-hmm. Part of this guy's point was, I don't want to waste the deer. And my response to that is, you didn't waste it. You took that deer off the landscape and you took that infectious animal who's spreading, casting prions about and spreading it to other deer. You took it off the landscape. So you did a good thing there. And, um, uh, the other part is you saved that deer from a miserable death. I've been, I've seen them now. I've seen not, well, we've had pictures on the farm, but I haven't seen a live one that's on its way out on the farm, but I have seen them in other places. It's a miserable death. So you saved that animal from that. Um, 
you know, you look at a picture, I don't want to go down the road of, I mean, if, if somebody wants to eat it, that is their, um, uh, their choice. And I respect that. I would say though, let's not make that choice for other people. So if you're in hunting in a CWD area, get the deer tested. If you decide to eat it, go ahead and eat it yourself, but don't serve that unknowingly to someone else. And I'd really question um, uh, serving it to, uh, to kids too. So um, that's that. Um, what else did he have to say? Oh, dog shit doesn't carry the disease. Well, that's false also. And I uh, <laughs> sent to, and I wanted to, I mean, I've got a Mingus, uh, Yanni's dog holds a special place in my heart because Already? his name for and everything. Yeah. Oh. oh yeah. I've never met the dog. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, because he's named for Charles Mingus anyway. <clears throat> um, and why would you, I mean, it does happen, right? There's two, there's two studies, one of a coyote and, and, and one of, uh, I think it was crows or something. And the point is, is what goes in the front end comes out the back end later. We've all heard that before, right? So if you don't have CWD like around your place, and I've been over to Yanni's place, um, and you feed that dog CWD positive meat, now it's going out and taking a crap. And unless you're going out and picking it all up. And they never do. <laughs> well, I mean, the dog I don't know off, how right? many times smart you say guy. it to your kids. They never get it all. Yeah, well, a smart guy teaches his dog to go out far enough, but um, and uh, and so now you have it there. Yes, it's in very low concentrations, going through the meat and all of that sort of thing. But because it is an exponentially growing disease, that's exactly the kind of thing where you can have some control of your environment. And why wouldn't you? Um, so I applaud Yanni for that. And the fellow was just wrong when it, when it came to that as well. Um, then he talked about um, the low prevalence in Minnesota and why are we spending all this time and effort on it um, and money. And the short answer on that is perhaps the reason you have a slow uh, or low prevalence and a slow spread is because these management uh, these management policies have been in place. In fact, I would submit that's exactly why they have a low prevalence because Minnesota's got a pretty damn good CWD response plan. And if you want to see something in comparison, um, one of the other things I sent Corinne, and I'll post it on my uh, uh, social media later too, is a time lapse of how the change in spread and prevalence in Wisconsin over the last 20 years. And there are... Um, I have some markers. It's not necessarily on that, but I'll, I'll write it into it of where we gave up. Wisconsin's program didn't, when they say, well, they didn't see it didn't work in Wisconsin. Yeah. It's because we stopped. And all we're doing is putting, you know, carcasses in a dumpster and we're not really even trying to control population or, or control disease or anything. We failed. I mean, I would say that uh, you want to learn about, uh, CWD and what not to do, take a look at Wisconsin. Southeast, Southeast Minnesota has got the opportunity to control it. What I'm, what I'm fighting for in my area is to have a healthy deer and have a healthy deer management. We're at 20% positive of deer tested in this county now. Uh, we have 30,000 30, deer in the county. Um, you know, about, about uh, 1,500 got tested of the 6,500 that... Um, were killed this past season and 20% of those were positive. By my, by my place, I'm on the northern edge of all of this. We're down at like four or 5%. I get one a year, two a year. Um, and I, you know, I, I don't want to give too much credence to what we're trying, what I'm doing, but we're killing a whole lot of deer 
and they keep making them, right? I mean, deer keep making them. Um, they're, they're, and so uh, I would submit that the control measures that Minnesota has been doing is what's exact, exactly what is controlling um, the disease there. Not and, and I can see he's got that exponential growth. He did a nice job on the math. Um, and so take a look at that. Um, but it's an exponentially growing disease, both within the animal and on the landscape. And, um, I know folks are, I'm, I'm sorry, folks, you know, that you're tired of hearing about it, but, um, if you don't have it, you don't want it. And if you do have it, you want as little of it as possible. I yeah. got that littlest, little of it as possible. And so Spencer Newhart, he kissed my ass, man. I care what he says. <laughs> Listen. My take on CBD, my take on CWD is is what I learned from Doug Dern, articulated by Doug Dern, is pay for science. And buy time, pay for science. Buy, yeah, sorry, I was going to do it the other way around. I was going to pay for science, and buy time, buy time, pay for science. I, I think that there's this thing that in the CWD denier community, it's like it's wishful. I, I feel like it's like wishful thinking on their part, or they're ahead of themselves to be like. Doesn't matter. Look the other direction. Doesn't matter. Nothing to see here. I'm like, I don't know. Like, I really don't know. But if there's the potential for a problem, and if there's a disease that's spreading around, and if you love deer, and you love deer hunting, and you love eating deer, why would you not want as much information as you can get your hands on? It would be wonderful if in five years, 10 years, someone's able to say, oh, look, uh, weirdly, it winds up, for all these reasons that seem perfectly plausible, it winds up not having population-level impacts. Like, something happens within the herd dynamic, and we don't see catastrophic collapse of deer herds. And turns out, um, this this prion is somehow magically shaped, where unlike similar diseases that afflict sheep, and unlike similar diseases that afflict cattle, um, we know for a fact now that it can't touch humans, I would be like, awesome. Because that's what I wanted to hear all along. I'm not like rooting. I'm not like cheering on CWD. I hope it's bad. I hope it kills people. It's like, that's not what I hope. I just want to find out, man. I don't want to like look the other direction, which is what, the, which is what seems to be what they want you, what, what the deniers want you to do is like, not even look. Right? Well, You're, you're bad for looking. <laughs> Actually, um, in defense of my friend from Southeast Minnesota, he's like, you know, I'm not a denier. I know it's a problem, but it was it's sort of relative, um, was his point. And, and, I, and I think that what I see and feel and, and, and hear from people is that the, denier, the deniers are few and far between now. It's now a question of, well, how bad is it or how bad can it be? And um, I kind of uh, my friend Mitch Baker has said a, a few times that um, I'd rather we did as much as we could and find out we did more than we had to than find out we didn't do enough mm -hmm. and have a disaster on our hands. And again, if you look at that, um, and I'll just give you some anecdotes. Um, a friend of mine who's got a, a property about four miles south of ours, killed a, they killed a, a nubbin buck on his place. It tested positive. If he wouldn't have killed that buck, it's never going to be a big giant buck. It would have been dead at two and a half years, right? His neighbor had four out of five bucks test positive. I routinely get messages from people who are saying six out of eight. Um, the hot zone south of us, about 25 miles, 
is over 50% in bucks, over 35% in does and rising. Um, we still have plenty of deer because we, I mean, you guys have been here. We grow deer like crazy. You know, 1.4, 1.5 uh, fawns per doe. We can keep producing. We have 60 deer per square mile. Um, so we're not going to run out of deer. We're just going to have more and more of them. And we already have that, that are diseased. Um, and I think I sent you another note from one of the members of our CDEC. He killed three deer in his yard this past year that were just standing there and that were emaciated and went through all that. It's a horrific disease. Um, you know, animal rights people should be concerned about it. Um, using my example of the, of the number buck getting it, and he's never going to be a big giant buck. If you want big giant bucks, we need to control this disease. If I can keep disease in my area at five to even 10%, I'll, at this point, I'll consider that a, a victory. Um, and in, I, I, you might find this an interesting detail because you, you know, you guys know the farm up there on the big ridge where you killed that giant turkey that time with, with dirt myth down there in the bottom, mm -hmm. all five of our positives have come in a kind of a line right there mm -hmm. in that little bit of acreage. You're saying because you know, dirt, dirt myth had been down there. Well, that could have But there happens to be a big population of deer, you know, that, that kind of stay up on n n near there and that's sort of on the fringe of it. So, you know. The scientists that I've talked to about it have said, well, you know, don't read too much into that. But anecdotally, it's it's really uh, uh, a little unsettling and kind of interesting, you know. But that said, um, we had, you know, it was a little weird deer hunting this year because of COVID. Um, and uh, But my brother and his and, and nephew came hunting for the first time in a couple of years, which was great. Um, we just did things a little bit differently in terms of gathering in the house and, you know, and, and all of those sort of things. Um, and, uh, you know, we killed, um, like I said, uh, 63, 60, maybe 6,600 deer in the county. It was, we we're back up like 23% this year. Um, even with that positivity rate, you know, the, the deer hunting in Wisconsin has a, a good future. We just need to do more, uh, you know, we need to continue to do more about this. And I'm inviting, as we're sitting here, I'm inviting Spencer to come out and, and learn all about it. We got a letter. We got a letter one time complaining about Doug. It was some dude in Doug's area complaining <laughs> about Doug bringing down all the property values by talking about CWD too much. Yeah. The powerful Casanova real estate lobby. And, right. And I've been, I've was been like, uh, acquiring like, land ever since. <laughs> <laughs> Doug buys it up, man. Yeah. All right. Thanks. Thanks a lot for the report, Doug. You owe me 150 bucks. It's in I the know, mail. It's, uh, it's in the mail. It, I mean, truly is in the mail. It truly is. <laughs> and then you sent cash. Is that correct? Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I did send cash. So, oh, yeah, I have somebody out there rooting around in your mailbox. Oh, I know. That's what I'm a little bit afraid <laughs> of, man. Yanni's going to be like, yeah, I got to run. Your wife. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll be there in the next day or so. Yeah, I'll just tell Katie that Doug Dern sent me a letter for some reason to Steve's <laughs> house. You see Address it? to him. Don't open it. <laughs> Thank you, Doug. Love you. You're welcome. It's interesting to me how we treat, uh, we talk about CWD and treat it as, I think, as a society and look at it very similar to, to how we look at climate change. And you have that same sort of like denier group. Oh, people that are like, don't even look. Yeah, don't even look, you know? Shut up. And, and, but, and I'm in like, the same way that you described it is kind of where I've settled on climate change. I don't know. <laughs> but like, I'd rather do too much and find out we did too much than, you know? 
80 years down the line go, oh. Yeah. Remember all that not looking? Yeah. Well, <laughs> oh, yeah. You, you're, you get criticized if a biologist talks about changing animal patterns, uh, which, you know, you can demonstrate with great clarity and precision. It's like bad that they brought it up. They get criticized for bringing it up. Yeah, a favorite, like a favorite talking point among CWD deniers is like Wisconsin's management of it and how they didn't get rid of it um, or maybe not even slow it down. But there was a CWD expert um, that told me years ago, he's like, Wisconsin is not a good example because the CWD horse left the barn many years ago. Not only is that horse out of the barn, but that horse already died. So like it was just too late to to get in and and make a huge difference. But other states, New York, Illinois, Missouri, they have a chance um, to like make that difference, where Wisconsin didn't. Got you. To to the CW to, to the deniers' credibility to to their credit. Here, uh, it's been around all those years, right? And Doug still has big, huge, giant bucks running around in his place. I couldn't believe a picture of a buck he sent me from the wet spot. Yeah, well, you know, just the average deer around here, you know, in the big buck capital of the world. <laughs> Put a little buck man juice down there and see what turns up. That's right. No, and, and, and that's important. I appreciate that, actually. This is, it, deer hunting is really good around here. I mean, there's a reason people come to, to Richland County. And, He's trying to drive those, and, you know, not of these guys that land. Times. You see him trying to drive the values. Yep. He's trying to restore wow. property yep. values now. <laughs> <laughs> right, I've acquired all that land, and now I'm building it back up. And uh, you know, as a matter of fact, um, but uh, and and the way to to uh, I mean, just keep doing it, keep enjoying it, and and you know, this is a an interesting point. It's very different than what you guys are dealing, what you guys deal with out there. But eighty five percent of our county is considered deer habitat, hmm. um, and that's about um, fifty uh, square miles. 85%. So, but 95% of that is privately owned. So if we're going to do anything, really, we need to either incentivize or force uh, private landowners to do something about it. I'm kind of working on the incentivize end of it, you know, and, and um, you know, I, I, I try to share my place with as many people as I can. Um, and you're right. And we still have big giant bucks. You know, there's, there's some beautiful deer around. Um, interestingly, also, most of the Deer that we've had positive, the oldest one was a three-year-old doe. The other ones have been year and a half and two year, two and a half year old bucks, hmm. and a year and a half old doe. So, you know, our older bucks. I mean, you remember Yanni? The last time you were here with with all the the all your buddies, all the Latvians from from uh, Toma, all those deer, man, <laughs> that truck full of deer, including that one big giant buck, that one-eyed buck at. Uh, that uh, another Giannis shot, mm-hmm. um, and none of those deer tested positive. Um, and you know, there's those deer around, but that's by controlling the disease, we can continue to have that kind of hunting. That's the other end of it. So, I mean, I'm trying to do all this stuff, you know, Steve, you and I've talked about, uh, oak management and I'm trying to manage oaks. I want deer around, but I don't want too many. And it's the, the you know, the, these things are the same, the same, um, the, the reasoning is exactly the same. You know, we're trying to balance everything in, a, in an ecosystem. Yeah. Um, so. You know, if I could have uh, an inanimate object on the podcast, I would have the wet spot <laughs> on the podcast. Yeah, it's a magic place. I'd man. be like, "Why are you always wet?" 
Why are you a mud puddle? And why do and, you big know, deer filled, always go look at you? <laughs> and I have filled that thing up. I have actually filled that up with clay and run it over and you know packed it down because I don't want a bunch of water. Yeah, he's there, like a leopard don't change his spots. That's what yeah. he'd say if I asked him why. Doug, what you might try now is instead of fighting, you know, the wet spot, maybe just make your road go around the wet yeah, spot. Yeah, why don't you just move your road over 10 feet, and then you'd have a <laughs> pond and a road. Uh, now now you're going to force me to go up there and take a picture because that's exactly what I've done. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> what's what's the 15% of your county that's not deer habitat? Is it like concrete and water or what? <laughs> um yeah, the highways and Richland Center, our county seat. We have 30,000 deer in this uh, county by the estimates, and the population, the human population, is about 17,000. So, Man, it's um, great. Yeah. Uh, Yanni, we didn't get – Yanni's our, our new dog expert. Uh, we didn't get to your <laughs> – you'll, you'll, uh, you'll, you'll retain, you'll refresh. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We're going to talk a little bit – we'll tease it. We're going to talk a little bit about um, – Blood trailing. Yeah, we got some interesting Using do- stats. Like, well, it's like a growing thing. I mean, it's been growing for it's been around for a long time, but it just gets more and more prevalent. It's like mm-hmm. every group of hunters, my prediction is in in some number of years, every group of hunters, someone in that group is gonna want to have a recovery dog. Well, yeah, I was just thinking how when I first heard about it, nobody that I, I didn't even know anybody that had maybe even like use a recovery dog to find a wounded deer. It was just like, you know, this thing that you kind of heard about. But now I, I would almost bet that someone in this room has used a recovery dog to find a deer. Anybody, Spencer? I've been, I've, I've seen one not recover one. Uh, yeah, we, we <laughs> attempted in Michigan. Save. Um, but yeah, like I, I know people now, they're like, oh yeah. Well, Yanni's got all kinds of stats we're going to get at, but uh, I got I to gotta scoot. I got to scoot. All right, everybody. Thanks a lot. Um, appreciate it. Seth, it was a good job. Good seeing you, Thank Doug. You. Phil, you know what I want to get, man? I want to get, do you think it'd be too distracting like, when someone, like when Seth's talking about what he was talking about? The, you remember how I said I wanted one of those dials that they use when they're testing things on people? <laughs> yeah, like how the, the how their their interest dial. Sure. Yeah, if we had, if when so, if like if Seth was talking about something, mm-hmm. if we had one that, that, was like a low, like, but then you, as he talks, if I get more interest, I turn it up. And then pretty soon it's like, do you think that would detract from the listening experience? Unfortunately, yes. Yeah. yeah. It could be that the better job he does, you turn it down. Oh. So like rewards. <laughs> oh, yeah. So good. when he there starts out, when he yeah, starts yeah. out, it's like, bah! but as he starts kicking ass, uh-huh. it, it Quiets. We'll test and it. That out. It's and then he, yeah. gets, he starts getting pumped it's up. Incentive to uh-huh. kick ass. Exactly. But uh, no, he did a good. He did a good job on that. Uh, I especially liked the part when he tried to turn it into a dog thing. Uh huh. Doug was right to call. Appreciate him out. that. Yeah. yeah, that was good. Okay. I'm sorry, I didn't hear that, Seth. What did you say about Doug? Just good no, looking dude. That was, all Phil. <laughs> that was Phil oh, talking yeah. about Doug. Bubbly but I, Doug. I agree. <laughs> oh, okay. Great looking guy. I just like when somebody says Doug is right, I usually ask him to repeat. <laughs> he, he, yeah. he, he's like, what, what, what? What's that? <laughs> all right, ladies and gentlemen, Doug Dern. Thanks, Doug. Thanks, far Doug. Away. Thank you. Far away in a faraway diseased land. Love you. Hey, have me on for something that isn't CWD sometime. <laughs> Yeah, I might do that, Doug. Anytime, Doug. <laughs> We're going to talk. I'm going to have know. Doug. We'll have Doug on to talk about how to properly get your cheese curds squeaky again after you've left them out so long that they're not squeaky anymore. 
That'll be uh, Dog on Curd. Stay tuned. You never want to find yourself out on the water fishing without your essentials. So it's best to always pack a Columbia PFG Solar Stream Elite hoodie to protect against the sun. Man, I was just in Hawaii and I had my Columbia PFG Solar Stream Elite hoodie with me. And here's the deal. We're in and out of the water all the time, getting in to go spearfishing, getting out, taking the kids to the beach. I'm not going to mess around all day putting sunscreen on then having to get washed off. I just run a hoodie. Columbia PFG has a lot of great gear. So before you head out on the water, head over to Columbia.com slash PFG to shop their performance fishing gear. This show is sponsored in part by BetterHelp. It is a simple truth. No matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you and how you manage them can make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that they need and that meets them where they are and helps them get through challenges. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible. It's simple to use. You can connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com.